Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. Romans 12, 9-3, it says, Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. One translation says, Outdo each other, honoring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. I want to say serving the Lord. How do we do that? We do it by rejoicing in hope. Say it with me. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Do you have prayer just come up instantaneously? Well, this is how we serve the Lord, it says. And then how else do we serve the Lord? Verse distributing to the necessities of saints given to hospitality. It says, when you serve the Lord, do these things. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Continue instant in prayer. Distributing. Have you ever said someone that said, have you ever met somebody that said, I'll pray for you. I'll, I'll pray for that. How about pray now? How about just say, you know what? Let's take a moment and let's be instant in prayer. Let's pray right now. That's what that means. Instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of the saints, helping our brother and sister when they need it, given to hospitality. Bless them that persecute you. Bless and curse not. Amen. I'm thankful for the Lord touching me in this way, um, talking to me about this, and I've had experiences in my own personal life just this week where I needed to bless somebody that wasn't that was hostile i needed i needed to have god lift me up i needed to have god talk to me and sometimes when you need kindness you just need to show kindness amen sometimes when you need someone to text you you're going to get through this you should text somebody you're going to get through this because sometimes in reaching out god will bless you amen i want to talk to you a little bit about hospitality toward god and i just felt like i'd give you an example and and an understanding today if i could just humbly what god's hospitality looks like so let me preach to you for a little bit about that. Jesus, if you bow your heads with me, Lord, we come to you. We ask you to get your word through this flesh. Anoint me, Lord God, to do your work today. Bless me and help me to be your vessel, that your glory would be revealed and that you alone would get the glory for it. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. You may be seated. Let love be genuine, one translation says. Hate what is evil. That's a strong word. Hate what is evil. This is the same Romans 12. There's three parts, three commandments in Scripture that have regard to hospitality. This is one of them in Romans 12 where it says, hate evil. This is another translation I'm reading from. Hold fast to that which is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Never flag in zeal. Be, be a glow, constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Practice hospitality. That's what we're focused on. The word practice here in the original language actually means to pursue. It's the same thing as if you have those 
those blue and cherry lights go off behind you because you were on your way to work late and you uh, drove a little too fast um, and they pull you over. It's the same thing. The word pursue here and where it says practice hospitality is just the same as a, a traffic or a sheriff or a um, or a or someone that is um, in authority pursuing somebody that has broken the law. Is this too loud? Okay, I'm going to try better. Um, so what happens is the scripture is telling us that in this particular passage that we are to pursue hospitality. How many know that that is not a one-time event? That the scripture is actually telling us that you have to force yourself to pursue hospitality. Everybody knows what gravity is, right? Gravity is where if you drop something, it falls to the earth. That the gravitational pull of the earth pulls everything to the center of the earth. The thing about hospitality is human nature does not automatically practice hospitality. We tend to share with our family. We tend to bring those close to us in. We tend to have this, this little bubble that we create that we live within where we have just few, a few people that we connect with and kind of our clan or our crew or our squad or whatever you want to call it. But just that, that group of people that we're comfortable with and we always hang out with. But the scripture is actually commanding us that we should have hospitality to everyone. In other words, we talked last week about personal hospitality, how cleanliness and how dressing nice is public hospitality, and how whenever you ask someone to ride with you, your car should be clean. Amen, somebody. That there is a, there's, there's hospitality that people don't even understand anymore. Like whenever you open the door for somebody or you're, you're kind to somebody or you don't use vulgar language in public where children can hear it, that is a hospitality to the public. But that comes from personal hospitality. That comes from a hospitality of knowing what God ple is pleased with. And so when we're talking about personal hospitality last week, I showed you that whenever you have hostile situations, situations in your life, God chooses to handle them with hospitality and that who knows who you would be entertaining if you, if you have hospitality in your life. And so then we move on to 1 Peter 4, 8, and 9, another commandment of hospitality, the second one I want to hit. And it says, above all, hold unfailing, above all, hold unfailing your love to one another, I think I typed it wrong. Above all things, have fervent charity or, or love among yourselves, for charity shall cover a, the multitude of sins. In other words, give hospitality, give love, practice that without murmuring or without grudging, being uh, ungrudgingly is what the scripture says, one to another. In other words, don't grumble about it. Have a hospitality spirit that says it may take more work, it may be inconvenient for me, but I need to open the door for somebody else because somebody opened the door for me. I'm talking more than just swinging a door right now. I'm talking about opportunities because I can tell you as a young man who had absolutely nothing, nobody would look at my life and 
say you're going anywhere. But right now, standing here preaching today, I can tell you that I can look back over the checkpoints of my life toward the guide markers of my life, and there was always somebody standing there who was kind to me, who gave me favor I didn't deserve, who opened a door I didn't deserve. And the reason why they did that was because God had done it for them. Their personal hospitality was connected to a cross that Jesus died on, where we weren't welcome. We were strangers and sojourners. We weren't people that were called the children of God, but we were sinners far from God, Scripture says. And we don't use the word sinner that much anymore, it seems, in church. But I want you to know that I was once lost, but now I'm found. I still like putting that wretched word sinner, the word wretched in front of sinner, when I sing amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I know from where I came. And if you wonder why I celebrate and I get loud and my face turns red when I preach the word of God, it's because you don't know where I came from. You don't know what I used to be and you don't know where I would have been had it not been for the Lord who reached down and touched my life. A young man that did not deserve another chance, but God reached in and he took the shame and he turned it to strength and he took the pain and he turned it to power and he took everything that I walked through and he said, if you will hand it to me, the things that you say are not good in your life, I'll turn them into grace and I'll use them to open doors for you. I will make hospitality out of the hostile things in your life. I will take what you walk through and I will not let it be wasted. I'm not yelling because I'm mad. I'm yelling because I'm excited because I live out this testimony every single day. Am I perfect? No. Are there days where I'm short with my wife? Maybe. I wouldn't admit to that, but are there days whenever we have arguments? Yes. Are there days when our kids bicker? Yes. There are some days we're driving in the car and we're like, you be quiet and you be quiet. Just stop talking. If you can't say anything good, don't say anything at all. Remember grandma saying that? It's sometimes necessary for me to employ that same rule on my own mouth. If I can't say anything, don't say anything at all. Because if I can't say anything good, then definitely hospitality from God has to realize that I need to speak life to people and not point out things. Maybe they're going through something. Maybe they're not everything they need to be right now. Maybe they're not every place they need to be right now. But I want you to know that telling them how down they are and how bad they are and how messed up they are does not help them to get up. It does not give them a rise in their spirit. It does not say, I want to do better because you told me how bad I'm doing. But if you will learn to be hospitable in the words that you say and hospitable in the spirit that you have and just say, God can help you. God can hurt, can take the hurt and turn it around and you will find strength in him. You will find strength in God. What does hospitality from God look like it looks like an old rugged cross it looks like a man who came and worshiped God and lived for God and was perfect to that one true purpose in his life and I'm telling you why why would God do something like that so that anyone who was lost can come so whosoever will it wasn't even that God knew Every single thing 
that was going to take place. It was that he was having to submit in the Garden of Gethsemane. He knew everything. He was God in flesh. I, I get that. But we have to understand that when we read the scriptures, there are stories that we get the conclusion of the matter, even though we don't, have, we don't see the timeline that it took for those people to live it out. And Jesus in the garden was saying, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. And in doing so, he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. I had a situation come up not long ago, and I'm going to do a little illustration here. Sometimes you can have a prodigal heart even if you're not a prodigal son. Sometimes you can have places inside of you that haven't surrendered totally to God. And that's okay because he's a God of grace, and he's going to keep on calling and leading. The beautiful thing about God is he doesn't drag us. He lets us submit to him. And his grace covers a multitude of sins, the Bible says. But I want to share with you the story. You know this story. It's the story of the prodigal son. And I, I need an older brother, so I'm going to use Estevan. And I need a younger brother. So I'm going to ask his brother to come. If you would, please, real quick. And they're working in the field. And the younger brother, who's much more handsome than his older brother. Oh, Go ahead and stand over there. They're, they're working in the field. Estevan's ready to just leave. He's going to go right after this illustration. He's just going to walk right out. No, they're both very good looking because their father's good looking. I'm the father. <clears throat> I'm going to play the father in this. So um, being so handsome, I have some handsome boys here. And um, what's interesting about them is they were working in the field, and the younger brother, come on over here, younger brother, he goes to his father and he says, I want all my inheritance. I want it early. I'm gonna, I want to go and I want to live my life and do my thing and find myself and something like that. So I'm sure that kind of conversation came up and so they were going to share in a, a, a communication and he says, okay, you want your inheritance? Great. So he gets his wallet out, which somehow I've managed to misplace my wallet. Do you have any dollars on you? Anybody got any dollars on you? Anybody got a $20 bill? No? All right, Esteban's got a 20? All right, praise God. This illustration's over. God bless you guys. Oh, <laughs> I just got lunch just then. That was lunch. And he's like, I want my inheritance. And so he gives him $200,000. I know, that's amazing, right? It's two zero zero, and there's a bunch of zeros you can't see. So here's, you're going to have to give that back to Esteban at some point. Okay. So he gives him $200,000, and he goes off in a far country. See where Carla's at over there? Just run out there and go, and go spend all your money. You guys have a good time. And so he goes off in a far country, the Bible says, and he squanders everything that he has. Carla, you're going to need to take that $20 from him at some point, okay? Wow, he might surrender it. He might not. There could be a fight out there. And he squanders it on riotous living. That means he, he pays for whoever, whenever, parties, drinks, you know, hanging out with harlots, whatever it is that the, the scripture speaks of, he does all of that. And it comes to a point where the older brother stays home and he's faithful and he's working in the field and he's being a good man. Everybody give him a hand for being a good man. Amen. And all of a sudden, the brother... The young brother, he gets to where he's like, you know what? I don't have any more money. Come here, young brother. Come right inside here. And the young brother says, 
I, I need to go work. So he finds a citizen of that country that he went to, and he goes to work for him. And he says, you can work for me, but oh, Reese, come here. You can be the citizen. Got to get up. He says, you can work for me. You can work for me. But you have to go feed my, sh- uh, feed my, <laughs> wasn't feed my sheep, <laughs> feed my pigs. You got to feed my pigs. He's got to, you got to feed his pigs. And you say, okay. 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 So there, you guys go and work. Go right out there and work. So he's working, feeding his pigs, but the citizen doesn't give him any food to eat. And so he feels like for starvation, he should eat the food of the pigs. And so Reese, you need to uh, get that $20 bill from Carla. And then the young brother says, you know what? My servants have more to eat than I do. My servants have it better than I've got it right now. I will return home and I will see if my father will make me one of his servants. And so thank you, Reese. You can come sit down. And so what happens is the father is back here at home and the Bible says that he was watching for his son. He would sit and watch and look for his son And when he saw his son coming back home, he got up excited and he ran to him. I'm so glad you're home. I'm so happy. You're so slow. I can't even believe it. Kill the fatted calf. My son is home. Get him the best robe. Put the family crest ring on his hand. We're excited. We're going to have a party. We're going to celebrate that he is home. Yay. And guess what? The older brother gets mad because he's been faithful. And this one went away and spent all of his dad's inheritance. But he's been home doing good. And guess what happens? He's not happy about it. He's angry. He's not, he doesn't have a hospitable spirit for a brother that went and wasted his dad's inheritance. But look at the Father. This is the only place in Scripture where you see a picture of our Heavenly Father running to somebody. There's no other place in Scripture where it shows that a Father, the Father God, it represents Father God running to somebody. It's like I said earlier, it doesn't matter your location, it matters your direction. I open with that because I wanted to get to that. It didn't matter where he was at personally, filthy, a mess. He needed to be cleaned up and put fresh garments on because his garments and his lifestyle did not match what the father knew was, was for him as a son. And so the reason why he said put fresh garments on him is because in those days when you put clothing on somebody, it told them who you were and what family you were with and who you belonged to. And that's why when we come to God, he said put on the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness. He said that I will clothe you with righteousness. The reason why is because though he found you there, he's not going to leave you where you are. He's going to put on something new on you. He's going to put something blessed in your life and he's going to forever change the way you look and the way you dress and the way you act. It is because he blesses you. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. But sometimes whenever people go and do crazy stuff, sometimes the people that stay in the church and stay home get irritated when they come home. Oops, I didn't mean to say that. (laughs) But it's still true. And so this brother is upset and father goes to him and said, why is your countenance fallen? Why are you so upset, Estevan, about your brother coming home? 
And he said, I've been here the whole time. I've been working and laboring and faithful, and you've never given me a, a calf to, to hold a party with my friends. And the father said, oh, you don't understand hospitality. You don't know what it means. You see, I, I gave him a new garment because he didn't look like my son when he came home. I gave him a ring as an emblem to seal him just like Jesus does in baptism when he puts his name on us and seals us and said, that's my child. You cannot touch them. They're always going to be my child. And that's what God does through baptism when he puts the name on us. And then he says, just so you know, the reason why I'm having a party is because I want my son to know that no matter what he did, no matter how far he went, no matter the shame he feels coming home. He's still welcome at the Father's house. He's still able to come home and be celebrated because he's always my son, regardless of what he's done. And so the elder brother's like, yeah, but still, that's a whole lot to give. And he's like, hold on a minute. You don't understand. My hospitality toward him is making him back to what he should have been. My hospitality toward you is an inheritance that he no longer has part of. He is family, but you get a greater inheritance because you were faithful, amen? The power of faithfulness. He's in the family. He can come back and he's welcome home. But those who are faithful have a blessing in God that you, have, you cannot get without faithfulness, amen? When you're faithful to God, he, count it, he counts it towards you as righteousness, the Bible says. And so God's hospitality to you who have been faithful week in, week out, doing the work of God, being here, pray, praise music and all, doing whatever you do to serve people and serve God. When you've been faithful, guess what? You have something counted to you that is righteousness before God. Heaven's keeping record. And though this one is welcome home in the product as a product of the and a child of God and has a place in heaven. This one has a mansion waiting that is greater and more beautiful than anything else you could imagine. God honors faithfulness, amen. And he honors his forgiveness. Thank you, boys. Give them a big hand for helping me out today. Hospitality from God is a beautiful thing. It helps us to understand that when we open our hearts to God, he opens some things to us. Have you ever had a, the question in your heart, how do I serve God better? How do I serve God more? What can I do to better serve him? And oftentimes he will put somebody in your life to care about. He'll put somebody in your life to show love toward that doesn't deserve it. He'll do that. There's one other place where there's a commandment in Scripture. It's in Leviticus 19, 33 through 34. It says, when a stranger sojourns with you in your, land, in, in your land, you shall not do him wrong. The stranger who sojourns with you shall be to you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. He said at the end of the scripture, I am the Lord your God. And they know that statement. What would make you be kind to a stranger? What would propel you to go out of your way 
to be kind to a stranger. Most of us have busy schedules. I want you to know that I live by a policy. I cannot be kind to everybody. I try to be. I cannot be there for everybody. I cannot pick up everybody and bring them to church. <laughs> Just not possible. I have limited resources because I'm a limited man. Amen? But I have a lifestyle policy. Do for one what you want to do for everyone. And so there are people in my life that I invest in heavily because toward heaven, God knows I'm serving him through that. And I'm doing for that one what I wish I could do for everyone, but I'm limited resources. So if you can't do for everyone what you like to, just pay for the coffee of the person behind you in the line. Just do something that shows hospitality and that gives them an understanding that there's more than just people taking in this world. There's people giving, amen? It's better to give than to receive. And so in scripture, he says, move toward an understanding in your spirit that if there's a stranger that dwells among you, treat them like family. That's hard to go by. I mean, that's hard, that's hard to work with. How do, you, how do you know? And how do you do that? And he said, the reason why is because I'm the Lord your God. That statement shows up 12 different times in the Decalogue, in the Ten Commandments. They understood what God was saying. He was saying, you were once strangers, and I saved you. I brought you out of Egypt. And for that reason, treat strangers as family, because I came and got you as my family, even though you were lost. And know this, that I am the Lord your God. It starts with that in their, in their understanding of the Ten Commandments. I am the Lord your God that brought you out of Egypt. They understood that. So when they hear, I am the Lord your God, it's saying, I am the Savior, your Yahweh. I am the Savior, your God. I am not a God of judgment alone, but I'm a God who saves of grace as well. In other words, what they understand here is that if the Lord can bring us out of Egypt by his mighty right hand, if he can make a way out of no way, then we should be willing to open the door to a stranger and maybe make a way out of no way for them. Who is at the moment of giving up right now? Who walked in here today struggling with loneliness or maybe even depression and maybe just a smile and a handshake, a little bit of hospitality can forever change their life. And maybe you don't know what they're going through, but you don't have to know. All you have to know is treat them like family. You were once lost. You were once far from God. You don't know where someone's, what someone's going through or what they have in their life. You don't know how much they felt like giving up even today. Somehow they got the kids in the car. Somehow they found this church. <laughs> That's nearly a miracle. Somehow they got here, and God is present. And he said, treat them like family. That is the work of the church. The little woman that was rich, I didn't give them the reference. It's in 2 Kings. Her name is the Shunammite woman. How would you like that? For, they don't even tell her her name. Just say she's the Shunammite woman from Shunam. She decides that she's going to build a room for the man of God. He comes through on a regular basis. And she decides, since he's always there, the first time he came, she welcomed him in and showed him hospitality. Everybody say hospitality. This is God's version of hospitality right here. She shows him kindness and says, come and eat with us. And then every time the man of God comes through, help me, is it Elisha or Elijah? I believe it's Elisha. And um, 
Every time he comes through, he'd stop and he'd eat at her house. She would provide hospitality to him. And then off of that, her son goes out to the field to work and he gets a headache and the dad says, take him to his mother. And she sets him on, his, on her lap, this young boy, and he passes away. He, he literally dies from either heat exhaustion or something happens. And she takes him into the room that she built for the man of God. The room that she built for Elisha. This room wouldn't exist had it not been for hospitality. She built it and she put it in place and she welcomed him every time he came to town. You can sleep here. You can stay here. She went to her husband, got permission, said, hey, let's work together. Let's come up with a plan. Let's build a room. Let's make this available for the man of God. And she goes in where the man of God had stayed many times and put her dead son on the bed and she closed the door and left out and went to the field and told her husband, get a servant and get a donkey and send him for the man of God. And they went after him at Mount Carmel, I believe it was, help me out. Those remember... Um, I read it this morning, or but I don't remember all of it. So <laughs> at Mount Carmel, and the, when he was coming up, he sends Gehazi, I believe, the servant of, of Elisha, and says, go see what's wrong. Ask her, is there something wrong with your husband? Is there something wrong with your wife? Notice that he goes through family first. And then he start, as he's asking questions, is something wrong with your husband? Something wrong with your wife? Something wrong with your kid? Or something wrong with your children? She was the wife, obviously. And, he sa- and she said, everything is well. I don't know why she said that, but she said everything is well. Maybe she had faith. Who knows? She believed that God was going to do something. And so then when they re- uh, the man of God realized there's something wrong. And he said, go and lay my staff on the child and see if he will awaken. And so then the servant goes and lays the staff on the child in the bed and then comes back and says, he did now wake up. There's there's something even even worse going on here. And so the man of God comes and he and he prays and he lays on the child. And the Bible says that that the child did not wake up. And so he stood up and he walked and prayed and he did it again. And then the child came back to life and she brought the mother in and gave her her child. And the reason why she got healing for her son was because of her hospitality toward the man of God. I want you to know that God honors hospitality. The healing in our homes can often be linked to the hospitality of those that don't deserve to come to our homes. Listen to me careful. When we had the opportunity to buy a home here in Brookfield, we did not have the money to buy it. We did not have the capabilities to buy it. We had some stuff set up. We had some things lined up, the best we could do as human beings, but there was a need for something greater, and God opened the door. And when we opened the door, we walked in, and we we looked at the place, and God had told me that he was going to do this. God had, had already impressed my mind with the best way. I know how to say that. I, I didn't hear God speak a voice. Angels didn't sing, welcome home. You know, it wasn't something like that. It was just, I understood that God was going to do something to open a door. And when we walked in and talked to the realtor, I said, this is going to sound crazy, but God told me that we can have this house if we want it. And I told my wife that we are going to use this house for ministry, that this house is going to be an open door house. You can come anytime you want. If you want to bring that baby over on a Tuesday afternoon, you're welcome. If you want to show up on a Wednesday night, if you want to show up on a Monday night and teach a Bible study, you can show up. If you want to do anything, you're welcome. I'm, I'm putting together a ping pong table right now. You'll get the chance to come play some ping pong maybe. But what we wanted to do was we wanted to open a, a room and a place of hospitality. And guess what? Just like the Shunammite woman, there is healings taking place in our home. There are things that are changing. There are, there's 
relationships that are, are growing better than ever before. You know what the enemy would like to do? The enemy would like for you to just focus on yourself and, and only you. He'd like for you to just be all about you and have a, a world that spins centered around yourself. But what God says is my hospitality will handle all of your needs if you'll just reach out. God will put somebody in your life to care for and to treat, even though they may be a stranger, to treat them like family. And out of that hospitality, there could be healing come to your life, healing come to your home, healing come to your hope in your situations that you have going on right now that you would not be able to handle. God says that he blesses us through men in the scripture. Did you know that? That the friendships you have right now, the people you know right now, those are the places God wants to bless you through. Good measure, pressed down, running over. You know the scripture. Shaking together, running over. Shall men give in to your bosom? It's saying that your connections to God, your connection to men through hospitality can open the door to a blessing in your life. Would you stand with me? I don't know if I've been um, loud today. I told somebody I didn't have much voice when I got here, but God's saying today to somebody, I'm the Lord your God. I'm the one that brought you out. I don't know how you got out. Some of us have stories like you wouldn't believe. There's, there's miracle after miracle. I can see you. I know you. you're a miracle. I, I, I can tell that God has done a work in your life. And I know some of your stories, but I also know that your story's not done being written yet. And that whenever we let ourselves be open to hospitality, God will do a great thing. The Shunammite woman, just an example. The father runs to those that run to him. So, in closing, I want to tell you a little story that I want to finish with. My brother and I decided that we were going to ride with my mom in a 1985 Chevy truck from Oregon up the Alaskan Canadian Highway into Alaska where my grandparents were. And my, wife, my, my mom was on the way out of her second marriage. And my sister stayed in Texas with my dad. I could have stayed in Texas, had a very nice life there. But I decided to go home and help my mother. I decided to serve any way I could to help us get to where we were going in Alaska. And, and I told my dad, he said, you want to stay, bub? And I said, no, dad, I'm going to go help my mom. I'm going to do whatever I can. And so at 12 years old, I understood that I was going to do something to help. And when I got there, we began to drive the Alaskan-Canadian Highway, and we came down this hill, and there was a narrow bridge. And it was a wood bridge, wood lanes. It was wet and slippery, and my mom came off that bridge and she swerved to the right, and then she swerved to the left. And when she did that, the load shifted both ways. And the first load shifted left, and then she swerved back, and the load shifted right, which spun us around the road, took us across oncoming traffic into the ditch, and then we hit a actual driveway that was going into a park, an RV park, and we turned up on our side, and we launched all of our earthly goods into a field, which destroyed my bike. It was so sad. 
because for a boy, your bike is important. And while we were there, there was a man that showed up. He said, I was going home another way, but the Lord told me to turn around. And he came back the other way and he met us. He pulled up literally three cars behind the, the accident. As we had the accident, we turned up on our side. And the one thing that you don't know is my brother was sleeping in the floor of the truck. I was sleeping on the, on the, on the actual seat and my mother was driving. And about 15 minutes before the accident, the Lord spoke to her and said, get the boys in seatbelts. And she said, get up boys. I don't know why, but I want you to get in your seatbelts. And when we turned on our side, I looked up and my mother was hanging from her seatbelt above us. And I reached past my brother and put my hand on the windshield because I needed to support myself. And the whole windshield in front of us just cracked and blew. It's just, just glass everywhere. And, and the cat jumped from my brother's lap. And the only thing that it found was my hand to stick a claw into. And from that, it ended up underneath the seat under my mother. I don't know how that happened, but I get out and I'm bleeding all over the place from a cat claw. And I still have the scar today, so I survived it. That's why I don't like cats today. It's just the thing. Just kidding. But what happened was this guy shows up, and to this day, I don't even know his name. But he was everywhere doing everything we needed. And he got people, responders there. He connected us to, some, to a church that was in the area. I believe it was a Mennonite church. I don't even remember the church. But what they did was... We had taken off the whole lower end of the vehicle where the, the four-wheel drive was, and we needed all these repairs and had no money. And they built a new, like, makeshift, you know, like, back um, camper for us, and they fixed the vehicle, and they did all this stuff, and it came to over $2,000. And they said, it's okay. We're going to take care of it for you. And when we called the precinct to ask if Alex was there, I believe that was his name, we said, can we talk to Officer Alex? He came to this scene of our accident. I want you to know that we just, we just want to tell him thank you for all of his hospitality. He was so kind to us. And we've gone back through and we've looked at the pictures. And in every one of the pictures, he's conveniently turned facing away from the camera. And they said, we don't know an Alex. There's never been anyone of that name that's ever worked on the force here or any neighboring forces. We don't even know someone by that as description. And we have never found that human being. And my mom said it could have been an angel that showed up and just showed us some kindness because she's always been kind to people. God opened the door for us. And so for me, it was just a week in Canada jumping on somebody's trampoline and playing Atari games. I did say Atari. I'm, that's how far back that was. I'm old enough. But for my mom, it was God returning hospitality that she had, been, she had given out. It was God's hospitality to spare us. And both me and my brother preach at churches this morning. He's in Florida building a church, and I'm here by the grace of God. We were spared because God said, put him in the seatbelts and God sent a messenger to help us. I don't know if he was an angel or not. I'd like to think so. But thank God for his hospitality toward us. I don't know what stories you have, but I'm thankful for a saving God who saves us through his kindness. So today, 
Is your heart open to God? Do you have a hospitality toward God? Are you showing him kindness in the way that you worship? Is your mind open to him? Is your heart open to the word of God? Whatever you're going through, I want you to know that God has called me today to ask somebody to lay something down. And in laying something down, God will help you today. I don't know who that's for. I just know that I had one long week and usually when it's rough, a rough week, there's somebody here that felt like giving up and this is their last stop on the way to giving up. And I want to just encourage you. I can't make anything happen, but I can tell you he can make all things happen. He can change everything. He can make new the things that are broken. So let's pray together. Jesus, in this place, there are those that would look on our lives possibly and say, damaged goods, not useful, no longer a place where God can even rest. But guess what? You call blessed the things the world called broken. And I'm asking you right now to help somebody in their heart and in their life to believe you for more. Even in the most difficult situations, you always stepped in. And with my testimony, I pray there's power and there's anointing that flows out of that. They overcame by the, word of the, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. I pray in that the blood of the Lamb would remind us of God's hospitality toward us, that when we deserve judgment, you gave us grace. And, and, and that grace is what allows us to even be saved. We're saved by grace through faith, and, that, and it's a gift of God. I'm praying that we can understand and accept the gift of God's hospitality, that he can save us out of anything, that he can bring us forth out of anything. And I pray that right now, somebody that needs to hear, you're gonna make it. It's okay. You're gonna get through this, that that has weight and that there's faith that's able to be invested in it and that there's a change that happens. In Jesus' name. As they sing, I want to open this altar. Maybe you have something you need to lay down today. Maybe you need to just open your heart to God one more time. Do it right now. As the altar's open, make yourself available to God right now. Be hospitable toward Him, and, and He will show His great love right now. We walked not down here as just people, but we walked down here as People surrendered to you, God. We open our hearts to you. In Jesus' name.